This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So before we uh, move on to our next question here, the first thing, and I love how Minister Stinson did this last week, is we want to open up again with the definition of what marriage is. Because this is something, you know, when dealing with all these questions, this is something you have to keep in the forefront of your mind. Um, so marriage, it is a divine institution created by God. So I have to stop there. This One thing we have to remember that it's God's institution. We have to throw out all of our preconceptions or our notions of what we think marriage is. And remember, it's a divine institution, which means it brings about divine fruit, you know, holiness and righteousness. Because it's, a marriage is supposed to represent something. So always keep that in your mind. This is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose to enter into covenant. And covenant is a life time commitment. And, and I want you to understand, Jehovah our God is the God of all covenants. He's the covenant making God. He's the covenant keeping God. He's the covenant founding God. So marriage is his covenant. Alright, so remember about these things. It's a lifelong commitment. And when you're stepping into God's covenant, it's a commitment. It's something you just can't be so quick to turn from at all. You have to be committed to the end. So again, it choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. The last thing I want to address is an imperfect person. <clears throat> you know, you have to understand that the, in this relationship, there's not going to be somebody that's going to be perfect. They're not going to always be what you think they're going to be. The only thing that they should be doing is striving for what God wants them to be. But listen, they are an imperfect person, just like you are an imperfect person. So remember those things. You know what I mean? You're, you, you have to examine yourself. Which is why you're a rational, free moral agent and born again. You have the ability to examine yourself. Okay? Remember that. We're both imperfect people, so I need to examine me so that I can strive toward perfection or maturity in the marriage that God has for me. So that being said, and given the definition of marriage, we want to give the next question that we have here. So the next question is, and I'm going to read it exactly how we got it. It says, scenarios of being unequally yoked were mentioned. Those are traditionally the main ones. How do I deal with a spouse who is saved, is led by grace most times, but has a divided heart? I'm going to read that one more time. It says, scenarios of being unequally yoked were mentioned. Those are traditionally the main ones. How do I deal with a spouse who is saved, is led by grace most times, but has a divided heart? Amen. And so that's a, a very good question. And so let's first of all look at unequally yoked. I think let's, we need to find that term so we're all on the same page. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's look at verses 14 through 16. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? 
And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So when we look at this term unequally yoked, let's first of all define the word yoke. What is a yoke? Right? A yoke is a wooden bar that joins two oxen to each other and to the burden they are pulling. So you have a yoke. Right? That is the wooden bar that joins two oxen together to the actual burden that they are pulling. Right? And so to be unequally yoked, using that same analogy, are the oxen not working together. So now you have two oxen, they're joined together, but they're not working together. And that causes the load that they are pulling to go around in circles. Right? So you can get a visual of this, right? So now you have this load, they're pulling, these oxen are pulling, the unequally yoked oxen are not working together, so now they're just going around in circles instead of performing the task that has been set before them. So now we bring this back to marriage, right? But unequally yoked. But in marriage, you are yoked together, right? For the common purpose based on God's direction. You're yoked together. And remember, like, he, like Minister Hill read the definition, you choose to be yoked together. You choose to be in covenant with this imper- imperfect person. That was your choice to yoke yourself together with this individual, with your spouse, right? So you are now yoked together for the benefit, for the purpose of God's direction, right? So that's what it means by <clears throat> in marriage to be yoked together. So now in marriage, when you are unequally yoked in marriage, unequally yoked, it refers to one spouse that is a believer or saved and another spouse who is not a believer or unsaved. Right? So now you have in a marriage a spouse that's a believer that's saved and now you have in a marriage a spouse that is not a believer that is unsaved. If you have this situation in your marriage, this will cause problems. Right? This is going to cause problems. Right? What's this going to cause problems with? The direction of the home heading towards God's purpose and according to His will. And why? Because you would not be in agreement with God. Right? Somebody else is, is going in a different direction than the other person is that, are, that is saved versus being unsaved. So you won't be in agreement right, in your marriage. Right? When you are the one that is saved and you, you're married to somebody that is unsaved. But according to this question, it actually pulls out and says, this individual is saved. This spouse is saved. So that's not the case here about being unequally yoked. Right? And so we want to make sure that point is clear, that unequally yoked is talking about you are married to somebody who is saved. One person is saved and the other person is not saved. So let me be clear too, right? Just because you are both saved in the marriage, that doesn't mean that you're going to get every decision right. That doesn't mean you're always going to hear from God, obey God, and and do the things according to His purpose and His will. Why? Because we are both growing and learning together to follow God's direction and purpose for our home and for our marriage. So there's a process in marriage that you're growing together. But we're growing together as being believers, as being saved individuals that are going after God's purpose and His will. Because again, like we read, it is God's institution. Marriage is. Amen? Amen. As we look at this question, um, it also talks about, you know, how, how do I deal with the spouse who is saved, is led by grace most times, but has a divided heart. And so, as we talked about what it means to be to be yoked together, right? And uh, you know what it means to be um, 
committed or, or joined together in doing the work of God, and that agreement is necessary, I wanted to also talk about what, it, what does it mean to have a, a divided heart. And I know that, that um, you know, in church we use a lot of terms that, that only church people know, right? And they come from Sunday school books, or they come from, from Sunday school lessons that, that, that have been ingrained in us for, for, you know, uh, since, since we were children. So what I, what I wanted to do is, you know, where do we find in Scripture this term that it talks about a divided heart? And so if you go to the book of Hosea, and that's in the Old Testament, past Daniel, right around that area, so in those, in those prophets. Hosea chapter 10, and I'm just going to get into it. It's talking about Israel and how Israel has, has, is, is currently there at a time of, of prosperity, where, where, uh, where, where they are um, uh, reaping in abundance. And because of their prosperity, they have forgotten that God is the one that, that actually gave them the ability to gain wealth. And so in uh, Hosea chapter 10, verse 2, it says that their heart is divided. Now shall they be fine guilty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. And if you look in the, um, um, the, the uh, English Standard Version, it says that their heart is false. Now they must bear their guilt. So the divided heart is, is a false heart. The divided heart is a false heart that's divided between service to the Lord and the cares of this world. It's, it's a heart that, that is focused on the, 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 the circumstances around them in the world, but it also has, has a, some acknowledgement that, that you know, God, He exists. We see it in scriptures. There are also additional references that, that point to similar situations such as the divided heart. It talks about um, having um, a double mind, being double-minded. And that you can find that in James chapter 4, verse 8. It also talks about having a single eye versus an evil eye in Matthew chapter 6 and 22. And to be honest with you, to net it out, when you look at all those situations of a, of a divided heart, you look at having at being double-minded about having an evil eye or not having a single eye. You know, the scriptures in each of those cases, it says that this is what the problem is, and the solution to that problem is always repentance. It, it's always in turning away from the world and turning back to God, and turning back to um, you know turning back to to God's purpose and His design. And so, one of the things that I also hear in this question is really a, a concern from the spouse about how do I navigate in this relationship? You know, how do I how do I manage this relationship? I think it even says how do I deal, right? How do I deal as, as if uh, you know if, if I don't deal with it the right way, that something undesirable is going to happen, you know, in my marriage or or in my Christian faith. And so. You know, in, in looking at that, there are a couple of things that, 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 that you should know in terms of the, the person that asked this question. Or, or the, the, you know, if you are someone that, that's, that's in a marriage and you're wondering, well, well, how am I supposed to deal with these things? Because if I don't deal with them correctly, my marriage is going to blow up or my faith is I'm going to be drawn away from the faith. Is, uh, is that, you know, one of the things that you should know is that as, as a believer, you have a new heart and a new spirit. You know, go to Ezekiel 36.
And I'm just going to read this. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. It says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And so as a believer, you have a new heart and a new spirit. What that means is that the heart that you used to have was a heart that was not able to hear from God. And one of the things that you need to remember is that God is speaking to those that are listening. And so if you're listening to this message this morning, just know that God is speaking to you. And what does that also mean is that God, God, he's not speaking for you to pass notes to somebody else in class. Right. So God is speaking to those that are listening. If you're listening to this panel discussion today, just know that God is speaking to you and he's speaking to you about what you can do. He's not speaking to you about what you need to pass on to someone else for them to do. And so when it says this, this new heart, this is a heart that is able to receive instructions and it says the new spirit, the new spirit is the spirit that is made alive when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And now that spirit is able to receive from the spirit of God. We're able to receive instruction from the Holy Spirit to, in order to direct our lives. And before we were not able to do that. So just know that if you're concerned about, well, what's the direction? You know, maybe I might do something that might blow up my spot, right? I might, I might change things in my house for the worst. And following after God, just know that God has given you a new heart and he's given you a new spirit. And also know that, that in considering the heart, that, that God, he weighs the heart. God weighs the heart. He weighs, he weighs your heart. And he also weighs your spouse's heart. God knows, God knows what is in the heart of your spouse. And he also knows what's in your heart. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 17... This, this is just for, you know, just, just uh, for those of you that, you, you know, you think that you understand what, what someone else is thinking or what, or what they're going through. You, you're, not always, you're not always 100% accurate in that, in that area. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What this means is that the, the, the intentions of the heart are not clearly understood. Who can, who, how can someone outside understand what the intentions are? But it says that the Lord, I the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And so it says that here that the Lord, he searches the heart. That he, he, he tries the reins of the heart. He pulls at every area of the heart. So that the intentions are clearly understood to him. He, he knows based on your actions and based on, on your doings what your intentions were. And so just know that, that God, he, he weighs the heart. He knows, he knows the intentions of your heart. He knows the intentions of your spouse's heart. And so this, this is what you have to keep in mind is that I may not understand or I may not know what my spouse's intentions are. I may, I may perceive an expression on their face, or I may perceive um, their body language, or I may perceive that you know, dinner was prepared a certain way, or, or, uh, or a particular task around the house was done a certain way. And I may, I may think that, that things are a particular way, but that may not actually be the way that they are. I may see my, 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 my spouse's shortcomings, and I may think that, well, you know, they're not even trying in that area. But, but again, you don't know. 
you, you don't know. It, it could have been a mental slip. It could have been a lapse. It could have been something that, that, that they are struggling with and trying to get out of because you don't, you, don't, you don't know the intentions of the heart. All you can see are the externals. But keep in mind that God knows. God does know the intentions of the heart. And He knows the intention of your heart as well. So He, he knows if, 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 if you're trying to, to, um, to be overly controlling in a relationship. He knows if, if you really have a sincere desire to say, Lord, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And He tries, He, he, he weighs the heart. And just know that with that new heart, you also have the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what leads and what guides. If you have this new heart, this is the heart that can hear from God. And the Holy Spirit is, what, is where God provides His instructions. His Word is a lamp into your feet and a light into your pathway. He shows you the way. He shows you the direction that you should take. So, so the question was asked, well, how do I deal and so what I looked at this is, this is, well, what is God looking for from you? What's, what's God looking for specifically from you? Right? We're not, talking about your, we're not talking about your spouse. We're talking about what is God looking for from you? And if you go to Romans 10 and 10, we'll get there in a second. The first thing he's looking for is he's looking for you to continue to believe and to trust that his purpose will be fulfilled. He's looking for you to continue to believe and to trust that his purpose will be fulfilled. Romans 10 and 10 is a famous scripture. And it says that for with the heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so when you look at this, we see that believing is a continuous and deliberate action. When the thing that we are believing in is not evident. And so as you consider your, your, your marriage relationship, as you consider what God is doing in your marriage, we, you, you're, 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 you're commanded to continuously believe to, with deliberate action in the face of not seeing that thing that you're believing for manifesting itself in your marriage. That's what, that's what believing is for. Also, we are to humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. This means that you have to put away your frustrations. You have to put away your frustrations and any resentments that you have. Because you tried something and it didn't work out. And you tried something else and it didn't work out. And now, now you want to cover yourself up and you want to protect yourself. But no, God is saying, no, you need to leave yourself vulnerable. Keep your heart open. Keep that heart of flesh that's open to receive from the Spirit. You have to have an expectation of good. You have to have an expectation of good. That, that, that what God's purpose for our marriage, that that is going to actually be what results in the end. And you have to wait on the Lord. You have to wait on the Lord. That doesn't mean to be passive. No, that, that's a very active work. It's, it's not laying down and taking it easy. Guess what? It's, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to wait on the Lord. In James chapter 4, verse 10, I'll just give that to you for the sake of time. It talks about humbling yourselves in the sight of the Lord. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And it's talk, this, this is really in reference to, as you're considering the situations and you're considering the people around you, 
that you refuse to blame people, you refuse to blame situations, but you submit yourselves, you place yourself under the hand of the Lord, His strength and His power. And it is He that will lift you up. So listen, he's not saying that, 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 that your spouse is going to make you happy, that your spouse is going is is to fulfill all your dreams and all your wishes. He's saying, humble yourselves under the hand of the Lord, and he is the one that's going to lift you up. In Jeremiah 17 and 17, it talks about the man that trusts in the Lord. It says that, that the man that trusts in the Lord, that he is blessed. And why? Because his hope is the Lord. His expectation of the future is in the Lord. It's, it's not in circumstances. It's not in someone else. It's not in how the children behave. It's not in the, the decisions that we make. And it's not in uh, you know, if, if these investments pay off. But blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. And the last thing I want to give, I want to give you all on this is that in, 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 in understanding what it is that, that you should know and what you should do is that you have to give witness to your faith in the Lord by your actions. So you give witness to your faith in the Lord, your complete trust and dependence in the Lord by your actions. And that's, that's, that's back in James again, chapter 1. Just looking at verse 26. And it says, If any man among you seem to be religious... Right, if you, if you seem to be religious, like you have it all going on and you have it all together, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. This man's religion is vain. So what, is, what does that mean? You're talking about, you know, I need to give witness to, to my faith by my actions. Listen, you have to, you have to watch what you say. You have, to, you have to be careful of your criticisms. We talked about that last week. But you have, to, you have to control what it is that you've placed in your heart and what it is that comes out of your mouth. Because if, if, if you seem to be religious and you're saying that you trust in God, but then your actions say that, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hound you, and I'm going to push you, and I'm going to provoke you until you do things my way, then that, that's, not, that's not giving witness to your faith. We're saying that we're, that we're trusting in God. If we trust in God, then we trust the heart that God has given us. If we trust that God has given us a heart of flesh, then we also trust that He's given us His Spirit. And His Spirit is going to lead us. His Spirit is going to... One thing I, I, I told the children, you know, in children's ministry, is that, is that evil men will only bow before a holy God. Now what does that mean? That means that... that it does not matter what kind of arguments you give. It doesn't matter what kind of case you present. You are not going to change someone else's heart. Only God can change man's heart. Only God can change man. First, let him change your heart. Once, once he's changed your heart, that is going to be a witness to those around you. And they're going to say, well, you know what? They're trusting God. Maybe I can trust God too. Maybe I can trust God too. Amen. You know, before we move forward, I just have to comment on the thing, you know, something that, that you said. You said, you know, when God's speaking, you know, you have to realize he's talking to you and to humble yourself. And, you know, we're talking about a, a divided heart and looking at this from the outside looking in, you know, even the question, you know, no matter who's sending the question, husband or wife, they both have to consider not having a divided heart. Because if you're not humbling yourself, the main thing that you're doing is there's pride or there's 
what what's at the root of pridefulness is, is selfishness, right? And left to your own, you know, left to your own devices, the, our flesh is bent towards selfishness. You know what I mean? No matter no matter what's going on, you have to have the last word with your spouse. You know, I'm offended just by a difference of opinion. I'm threatened by my status or anything like that. Selfishness begins to well up inside of you, and it's just like you said, we need to. Humble ourselves. So, you know, a scripture that came to mind when you said that was uh, in Philippians chapter 2. Just 1 through 5, it says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other other better than themselves. So, you know, that, that goes back to telling you that marriage is in between two imperfect people. Don't place your standard on your spouse. Esteem them higher than you. You know, don't come at them with these vain glories. Well, this is what I've done. This is, this is what I did. And what have you done for this marriage? Esteem them higher than you. Yeah, humble yourself. Like Mr. Eberhardt was just saying, you have to have that heart of flesh. You know, and, 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 and to, to get that, you have to walk in his ways. You have to fill it with his word. That way you can command your heart. Listen, turn my, way from, turn my heart away from these, these, selfish, these selfish ways and put my heart towards the, the, the living God and his word. And that's what he'll do for you. And when you've done that, it says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. The marriage is to show you Christ in the church. When you come together in one, listen, it's you and your wife and your spirit becoming one, and then the Holy Spirit wrapping you all together. That is a three-strand cord not easily broken. So remain humble. Is there anything you, you guys wanted to, to mention on that, uh, that, that part as well again? Yeah, like, like you said, right, remaining humble and understand that you know, marriage is, is the reflection of Christ and the bride of the church, right? And I think that is so important to have that purpose and goal, that you're reflecting Christ in your marriage and your home. And so how to deal with these, you know, issues that you have, being thinking they're unequally yoked and understanding that they may not uh, have a divided heart. Make sure you're putting Christ first, right, in your home, in your heart, right, to make sure that you know for, for a fact that, hey, I'm, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God in my, my marriage, right? I'm not, it's not based on what he does or what she does. It's based on what God has called me to do in this marriage. And I think that's why it's, it's good to get into some practical uh, examples that we want to get into because we're kind of getting out of time yes, here. Sir. So go ahead, uh, Minister. Yes, sir. So, yeah, from, from, from this moment, we want to talk about some practical advice to deal with this question, right? Some things that we can do that will help in these situations if we go through. So I want to go back to Second Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. Uh, verse 14, and I'll probably read through, let's see, probably through 16. And it says, again, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believe with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So I mention these things, and I go over the scripture again, because it's saying here, again, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, or in what concord or what agreement hath Christ with Belial? But as two believers, as two imperfect people who are born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. So, your, your, your version goes as, what fellowship does Christ have with Christ? It has all the fellowship with each other. 
You know, the, the Spirit of God inside of you and the Spirit of God in them, when you come together again, like I said, a threefold strand is not easily broken. So you should be able to come into agreement because both of you have the Spirit of the living God in you. So as far as the, the practical things that we can do, we're going to take it back to what Minister Martin said last week is we need to set a meeting. We definitely need to set a meeting in, this, in, in the house. And when I say bring a meeting, I want you to leave your cell phones where they are. Meet at a, uh, uh, a predisclosed place where it's, it's non-threatening or anything like that. Bring you a pen and a paper. Okay? And you need to set your meeting. And when you set this meeting, here's how the questions or how the meeting should go. The husband, if you're going to, the person, if, if this is from the husband's side who's asking for the meeting, this is what you're going to do. When you get there, you're going to say, I want to sit down and discuss the plan and the vision that God has for our house together and where he's taking us, where he's leading us. And for the wife, if you wanted to set a meeting, you're going to say, you're going to ask your husband, you know, can, can we set a meeting where you can tell us where God is taking our house, where the direction of our home is headed, where the plan of our home is headed, and let's have that meeting. Those are the two sides right there. Now, again, when I say, when you set these things, I don't want you to come in judgmental. I don't want you to treat each other like children. I don't want you to attack them. Well, you're doing this, you're doing that. No, no, no. Again, you have to come with your heart and your mind prepared. Listen, you're dealing with imperfect people. Okay? So you're going to come with your heart and your mind prepared. You're going to bring a pen and paper. You know, this, it's so crucial to me, right? Leave your phones where they are, but bring you a pen and paper. It's good for you to write these things down. And Habakkuk, you know what? Let's turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. You know, it tells us to write the vision down and make it plain. So Habakkuk chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 1 through 3. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And I want you to understand this. You know, when you're standing on here watching at your time and waiting to see what he will say unto you, these type of meetings, these are meetings set up by the Holy Spirit. So guess who's speaking to you? It is God. I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. So understand, when he says something to you, in your imperfect place, there will need to be some reproof. So there's going to be some work that needs to be done for you. Again, we're talking about ourselves. So I, I will watch I, and what I will answer when I am reproved. Verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. So write it down. I, you know, I can remember when I was in high school. You know, I, I thought I was just, I was the smartest. I didn't have to write nothing down. I'm ready to do, I didn't have to take the test. It was real quick in life when I got to college and I was like, oh boy, you better start writing that thing down. You know why? Because I could put it before my eyes. I could read it. I could see it every day. It was something that I put in me every day and I understood every day. Write it down. Make the vision plain. Why? So if you see it, now you know. That's where I'm headed. So I can run with this. I can run with the vision God has given me. So write it down. And then it says, for the vision is yet, verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. See, at the end, here we are again, at the end it's Christ. And the marriage is supposed to represent Christ in the church. So these issues that you're having in your, in your marriage, stay with God. Look at the vision and stay focused on that. And at the end, it, it will speak and not lie. It will speak of Christ in his church. Hold on to that vision. Make it plain. It will surely come. It will not tarry. So write it down. Get you a pen, get you a paper, and write down the vision that is, is for your home. Again, wife, you can ask the husband 
to tell you and husband, you're going to say, hey, we're going to have this meeting and this is what we are going, this is where God is taking us. Write these things down. And then from there, you know, well, this is what I need to do to make sure that we're headed at the family to this place. Don't say, well, if this is the vision, then why aren't you doing this? this is, no, 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 no. Examine yourself. This is what I need to do. And your husband or, husband or wife, whoever, this is what I need to do to make sure. And then at that point, you both can see, well, is this impeding me from getting to where God is wanting us to get to? Certain things you don't even need to put by your spouse. Certain things you know, that is in the way of our vision that God has for us. And I, can, I need to do away with it. That's that unseen work. Certain things you just need to let it go. Write the vision down. Make it plain. And then, after you have this initial meeting, you need to give each other homework. Now, this homework, again, is for you because God is talking to you. Here's the homework. You're going to go home, or not home, you're home together, but you're going to leave this meeting, and you're going to set another meeting. But at the next meeting, what you want to do is, we're going to go back to our prospective places, and when we prepare for this next meeting, we're going to write down something about ourselves that is keeping us from getting to the vision and plan that God has for us. And then at your next, your next meeting, when you come together, guess what? You're going to share your faults with one another. And I'm not, you're not going to say, I knew you were doing this, and you're also doing this, this, and that. No, 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 no. You're going to share your faults. You're not going to share about their faults or what you think it is. You're going to share your faults, one with another. And guess what? After you share those faults one with another, guess what you're going to do? You're going to pray for each other. Right there in front of each other. You're going to take your spouse by the hands with the sincerity of your heart. You're going to pray for one another. Confess your faults one to another. And then pray for each other. And then one other thing is you have to remember, because this, this should be an ongoing assignment in your marriage, because, again, a marriage is between two imperfect people, which means there's going to always need to be some changes. And what will you do when you're reproved, like it said in Habakkuk? Will you walk? Will you continue to choose? So when you come back the next time, it's not like you're going to say, well, I fixed this issue. No, you, you're probably going to still be working on it. And on top of that, bring another one. We're trying to work out these things. These are things that God is going to do. That's the unseen work. So when you're having, and people, listen, something different about their marriage, yet the unseen work has been put in. That's the work that you've got to do. And again, you're not going to treat each other like children. You're not going to talk judgmentally. Don't bring up anything else about the other person. Bring it all up about you. Because at that point, it's going to be all out in the open. You're going to be confessing your faults one to another. It's going to be all out in the open. So we both know what we need to work on. We both can be accountable to each other. Because at the end, our marriage will speak and not lie. It will speak of Christ and His church. Yeah, and, and, I, yeah, and I love that as a practical example. Because here's the thing too, right? When we come together as this structural meeting that we talked about between a husband and the wife and setting direction from the home, and again, that's coming from the husband, you know, encourage one another. And I heard Minister Hill say it, right? You know, it, it's a place where it, you, you need to encourage one another. Let me just say it like that, right? Bring encouragement. You know, instead of criticizing, and we spent a lot of time talking about criticizing last, last uh, Sunday, encourage one another. And I think throughout the time, you know, as it's a process, make sure you're encouraging them. Encourage them with their walk with the Lord. Because this is a spiritual thing. You know, I'm a spiritual thing. You know, our, our marriage that we have, the thing, journey we are on, that's what we're talking about, ministering to the spirit, soul, and body. And you want to encourage their spirit, man. And I'm going to tell you like this, and I'm just speaking to, to the wives right right now. You know, when this, when this brother comes and tells you the direction for the home, don't say nothing. 
Right? You know, in other words, don't, hey, no matter what he says, even if his envelope and some of your brothers, even if his envelope is empty, you know now what to pray for. Right? You know now how to, how to pray about these things, how to encourage him to seek God and direction of home. Because you may get in a place where some brothers may not understand, so what is the direction? They may not know what the direction of their home is based on what God is saying. Right? But wise, now you have a chance to encourage them. Right? Don't put them down. Again, Minister Hill said, don't treat them like one of the children. Right? Don't tell them you don't know. You know, you can get, we can go quickly from zero to 60 criticizing. Encourage him. And be an encouragement. Again, that's why you're a help me that is suitable for your spouse. Remember, this is what you agreed to when you said, I do. When you joined that covenant, right? You are yoked together now in marriage for a lifetime. So make sure you're encouraging your wife. Make sure you're encouraging your husband in these meetings, right? And nothing threatening at all. And I think that is so important as well, to continue to encourage each other after, even after the meetings, right? To encourage one another. You know, encourage them to, the, to their to walk to uh, with their walk with the Lord because it's a journey, and we're on this journey together. That is so important. And so again, I want to make sure that they, things emphasize. These are practical examples. You need to apply it. You know, we can sit here and say all this stuff that you know to do and, and based on the spirit of God, but it's up to you to apply it and take these meetings seriously. You know, like Minister Hill said, don't bring your phone. Bring a bring a notepad. Write it down. Make the vision plain. Take these meetings seriously. Right. So that you can uh, pursue and, and continue in your walk with the Lord in your marriage. Amen. And like we said, you know, God, God is speaking to those that are listening. And so, again, as, as you're having these meetings, as you're having these discussions, you know, if, if you feel like it's, it's, it's one-sided, you know, be patient. Be, know, know that God, you said, you said that your spouse was a believer. Know that God is speaking to them by the Holy Spirit, not by your words, as much as by your actions, as much as by your patience. You know, Minister Hasten mentioned that that you know that as 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 you go back and and um, and you you've stated what the direction is for your for your home, or you heard what the direction is for your home, that you know now that's not the time to critique and say, well, this is this is how I think that that we should execute this direction. You know, we all we all know that that our, our end result is to be like Him. Our end result is to represent Christ on the earth. Our end result is to seek and save the lost, right? We, so we, we know what the, what the major milestones are, what the major um, uh, tasks are in our, in our Christian walk. But you know what? God, is, God, God speaks to us individually and His families about how we are going to accomplish His will in the earth. And so you need to be open to, to hearing from God and letting let the Holy Spirit speak to you about, well, you know, we're going to accomplish these things, but this, this is what we're going to do first. This is, I mean, one of the things might be that we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to purge our home from some of these things that are distracting us. We're going, we're going, we're going to cut out some relationships. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to trim our schedule so that we're not busy when God is trying to speak to us. That we're not we're not busy when God wants to use us. That we don't have these distractions in our way. And what I love about these meetings that that we're talking about is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you. You know, you, you said that you wanted to change. You said that you wanted to change. This is how your family changes. This is how your marriage changes. It's not gonna it's not gonna change because you decide to change, right? It doesn't change because you decide to change. It changes because you take action because you actually do the things that are required to change 
And I know it's scary. One of those things is you're going to have to open up and say, this is what is inside of me. This is where I'm weak and this is where I'm vulnerable. And listen, don't, don't, don't have fear that that's going to be used against you. Because you know what? God is the one that's going to lift you up. God is the one that sustains you. you know, if you humble yourself before the Lord, He is the one that's going to lift you up and that's going to sustain you. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, and, and you know, back to what actually Minister Hasten has said, and it ties into what you were saying as well. This is spiritual. You know, this this walk is spiritual. So, you know, definitely take these things to heart and apply these things because that's the only way it's going to change. That's the only way God is going to He's going to He's giving you these things to touch your heart. You know, left to our own ways, we'll put our own bandaid on it. You know, we make up to break up. You know, have make up sex. You think it's good, but you putting a you putting a bandaid on it. You're not dealing with the issue. You haven't, you haven't been brought, exactly, you haven't been reconciled back together in agreement. You're still in disagreement, you know, but you think you can handle it with, with your own ways, your own things. But true intimacy is found by the Word of God. Because this is spiritual. So you have to come together in agreement around the Word of God. That's the intimacy. You'll see things start to change in your life. Intimately, in your family, because you have trusted yourself to the intimacy of the Word of God. You have trusted your whole family and your purpose to the Word of God. You're not worried about whatever, all the external circumstances, all the, all the external you know, noise that you can hear from any. No, we've trusted it. We have our minds set on the purpose that He's given us, the vision that we have wrote down and made plain, and we are staying focused on the Word of God for our family. And you'll see the difference. You'll see the change. You'll see the heart change. You see the you see the the, the ability to, to be led by the Spirit to make the decisions that I need to make here from here going forward because my heart has changed. For your family. Amen. Let me say something real quick. So I, you know, just a personal example, and I, I thank God for my wife. You know, I've been married almost thirty two years. And again, I'm <laughs> I wasn't the same man I was when I first got married 32 years ago. And like Minister Hill was saying, just trust, right? And I thank God my wife trusted me as my walk with the Lord and encouraged me throughout these years and, and, and helped me to see, you know, help me where I had, when I had the vision, I made it plain, and, and she followed, right? She followed. And, and I, I'm telling you something, it's so important for a husband to know that your wife is following you as you are following Christ, right? And so I'm just saying, that's that union. That's the union you want to have in your, in your marriage, right? And then you get to a place where even if you make mistakes, you still, you, you learn and you grow together, right? She doesn't criticize. She doesn't go back. And, and then now I don't lose credibility with her because I did She's like, she stays focused and he's following Christ. I'm following him. And I really do appreciate it as a, as a husband. You know, now when you know your wife is there for you. And I think that's important to let your wife, let your husband know that you're there for him, right? You married him. Right, those are the vows you taken when you when you said I do, they they're for a lifetime. So remind them I'm here for you. I've forsaken all for you, yes. right? Remind them that I'm here. We are one team. I'm here with you, right? And so I think that is so important. I just want to make sure I mention that about trust, staying there, encouragement. You know, being an encouragement and trust the process that it will change. I know my wife said, "Thank God that brother has changed." It's a change that happened in my life. Right, because of the, the process. And, but she stayed and followed. Amen. Amen. I mean, so in these teachings, we've been, we've been talking about, you know, not just hearing the lessons and not just writing down the points, but really how to make practical application 
in your home, you know, of the teaching. And, you know, as, as you probably have heard as we've been discussing, the points that we've covered today are, are points that have been already covered in previous teachings. But what we're, what we're really challenging you to do is, you know, take that word and make it, make it real. Make it, make it alive in, in, your, in your homes and in your families. And this is, this is truly the unseen work. You know, we don't want you all, we don't want you all to be guessing about well, what is the unseen work? We don't want you all to, 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 to try and make it up on your own. If you, you, sh- you should be having these kinds of conversations, you know, in, in your homes. You, should, you have to have that, that, um, that hope, right, that expectation of good. That, you know, if I, if I can't have these conversations now, I'm going to get to the place where I can have these conversations. You know, we're not seeing people that are, that are looking to, uh, to step out of their marriages. We're, looking at, we're, we're seeing questions from people that want to build up their marriages. And if, if, if he's pleased to be with you, if she's pleased to be with you, I mean, you should be pleasing to be with. So have these kinds of conversations that, that help to set and let everyone know what the direction is for the home. And as, as you have that direction, again, make yourselves vulnerable, make yourselves accountable. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.